to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Good morning, y'all. How y'all doing? Everybody good? Cool, cool, cool. Um, we're going to uh, today continue our series entitled Resilient Joy. And the title of the message today is uh, The Gift of Suffering. And the scripture we're coming from today is Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. Uh, we're going to read it. Side note, man, it's a lot of y'all in here. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Not a youth group today, right? So, <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> but check it out. We're going to read. Uh, we're going to start with verse 27, all right? Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggles you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. You guys may be seated. Father God, I just pray that um, I decrease so that you increase, and I pray that you speak to each and every heart and mind um, in the house on today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, my name is Troy, and I am the youth, di- <laughs> I am the youth director here. Um, I've been here like Four months and three days, right? So I thought, I knew this day would come. Some of the students was telling me like, yo, all right, one day you're going to have to preach. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's about a year, two years, something like that. Um, It's happened way sooner than I thought, right? So um, here we are. I was watching a fight last night, and um, I was thinking, I was like, okay, God, well, before I get into the message, like, I should tell them a story about suffering, I have a lot of moments of suffering in my life. Um, and so I'm gonna share one with you. So when I was 26 years old, I was going to barber college. Now, barber school is basically a full-time job, but you don't get paid anything. Like, it's older people, so they'll like, tip you with like a quarter or a dollar or something like that maybe. But you don't make no money at all, so you need a job. And so I started working at uh, Costco. and. Costco has these people um, called CDS. It's a company called CDS. And CDS, these are the people that serve you the samples. They give you the samples and stuff, and like, look here, we're stealing them and all that, all that. Well, that's what I was doing. And so I loved it. Um, it was an older crowd that I worked with. I was the only youngest, like, younger person there. But I loved it because I learned a lot from the people, all the different conversations I had, you know, their different points of view, their different walks of life, all the lessons I learned, I enjoyed it. Um, it was this one particular day. I, ha- I had this thing. I don't like to use the bathroom at work. 
And when I say use the bathroom at work, I mean like the number two, right? <laughs> so I just religiously, I just never did it. Like I just felt like that wasn't my calling, right? <laughs> so this one particular day, my shift, I had like three hours to go on my shift. And man, I just, I had to go, man. <laughs> and um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it out. I'm going to go. So I go into the bathroom. Now, mind you, our uniforms are like a dress shirt, like a white dress shirt, black jeans, black shoes, you know, your little blue apron and stuff like that. So I get into the bathroom. I didn't want to sit on the seat, right? So I set the little, you know, like at the little toilet thing you put on the seat. So I put it on there. And so my, my plan was <laughs> to hold myself over the toilet, right? Because I've been in the gym. I had been working out, right? So... I can hold myself up. I'm not that big of a guy. In the process, <laughs> my left hand slipped, right? Splash, right? Splash, splash. Bunch of brown stuff, right? So, after working out that process of just trying to, like, forgive myself for putting myself in this position, I said, okay, you still have to go to work you have to walk out of this bathroom. And I'm like, no, I'm not going back to work. So the way Costco is designed is usually they have like the pizza spot and then they got like the bathrooms close by. So I walked out. <laughs> I walked out of the bathroom and I just went straight. I'm, it's a long line. They got you when you checked out. They ask you questions, different things. If you want a membership, all these kind of things. It's a lot of people. So before I walked out, I said, Troy, you are going to see a lot of people staring at you very strange right now. Stay focused. Go to the car. Go home. Man, I walked out that bathroom, little kids with their pizza. Ew! Everybody just looking at me crazy because it, I had literal doodle on my shirt, right? Walking, 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 walking home. I didn't tell nobody. I didn't tell my manager I was going home. Nothing. I went home. And when I got home, before I took my shirt off, I looked in the mirror, and there's this song, and it goes a little bit like this. You had a bad day, taking one down, you sing a sad song just to turn it around. That right there began the process of me always going in the mirror when I find myself in an uncomfortable situation of suffering to process it, to get through it. My manager texted me later and she was like, hey, I heard about what happened. <laughs> you still have a job, because I would have done the same thing. <laughs> and I'll see you tomorrow. So what does that got to do with today's story? <laughs> In the Bible, what does that have to do with today's story? Um, basically, what I've come to find out in my life is that when you hear gift of suffering, it really doesn't make a lot of sense, right, when you first look at it. But what it is is actually the gift of suffering is really the wrap, it's wrap, the wrapping paper of courage. A lot of times in my life I've been able to see just who God is based on what I've had to suffer, the embarrassing moments, my failures, um, standing on him and he's still working 
it out for my good. And that's what Paul is trying to tell the Philippians on today. So when I look at the scripture, his heart for the Philippians, Paul's heart for the Philippians. Man, it's really a lot of people in here. Paul's heart for the Philippians is really um, to encourage them, to let them know that suffering is a part of the process. So when I look at these four verses, I say this. I divide it up into two wings, right? Verse 27 and verse 28 would be the tenacity wing. Slide came up? Okay, cool. Gotcha. Appreciate y'all, bro. When we look at verse 27, first we see Paul is out the gate letting them know that whether I come see you or not, you are to maintain your Christian posture, your Christian behavior, your, Christ, your Christian way of life. Essentially what Paul is stating to the people of the Philippian church as well as us is that a Christian responsibility is not a transient affair, but a permanent obligation and requires the fundamental virtue of patience. In other words, how we are to look at our lives as believers is that we're playing the long game. What we can't do as believers is go about our faith in these short little spurts of want to. These short little spurts, you taking a picture? Cool. These short little spurts <laughs> of energy, right? We can't, we can't do that when it comes to um, our faith. We have to be consistent. We have to remain steadfast and persistent in our pursuit of Christ. Steady and consistent, pressing towards the mark in the example that's been set. Paul is trying to let them know that, hey, I'm here not just talking it. I'm living what I'm preaching. I'm trying to set the example for you, and I'm expecting you to follow that same example. There's this one song by one of my favorite singers. Um, his name is Sam Cooke, and they got an E on the end of the cook for, like, fancy reasons, I guess. Um, that's what he said. That's really what he said. So um, it's called Keep Moving On. And in essence, what the song is saying is that there's a point in life where you have to decide that no matter or whether or not my circumstances are ideal or not, I'm going to keep moving forward. Good days, bad days, sun up, sundown, you will find me pressing forward. Because life seems to be divinely designed this way. The only time life I've ever seen go in reverse is when I watched that movie Benjamin Button, right? <laughs> and it was cool till his girl got old and he just kept getting younger, right? It was cool when they was in the middle. <laughs> Still, Paul, mindful, the mindful man that he is, understands that him not being there in person may be causing some of the Philippians to be disheartened and discouraged. And Paul, being in jail, right, knows that, hey, I want to be there. I can't be there. I wish I could be here for the Philippian church community. I wish I could help you guys in your troubles, like in person, 
because nothing's better than being in person to console somebody, to help somebody through a process. Text is good, talking on the phone is cool, but like at the end of the day, it's great to be, to see your help coming, to see your help in front of you. But at the same time, while Paul is acknowledging that and seeing that that might be at play, he's not absolving them of their Christian obligations and the way of conduct that they should be pursuing. Now, why is that? Because perseverance does not admit of interruptions. See, Paul right here is pointing out our need for unity. But we have to work to figure out how we can do that, even though we don't always necessarily agree on every little detail. And here's the hint in how we do that. We need to keep our eyes, our hearts, and our minds focused on the bigger picture. If we keep that in perspective, all these little fires won't be able to divide us like they seem to be dividing the church today. And I'm talking about the church as a whole, right? In order for us to withstand the opposition that this world wants to bring against our faith, we, the church, must move in three ways. One, standing firm. We need to stand firm. We need to have an immovable faith. We need to really be about what we say we believe. We're committed to it. This is the decision. That's what we're sticking with as believers. We believe that Christ is Lord. That's it, no matter what's going on in this outside world. Number two, in one spirit, we as believers need to move with one consensus train of thought, and that being, once again, Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior. Number three, striving together. At the end of the day, we can believe what we want to believe, but if we're fighting different fights, we're fighting different things right? And we're not fighting the enemy and the prince of darkness, the things of this world, then we're not fighting the same battle. Now, we're going to do an exercise. Up until walking on them steps, I've been very nervous. <laughs> I was very like, oh, man, this is it. This is what's happening. So at this point now, like Todd told me before I got on stage, he said, hey, no matter what happens, Good or bad, you still going to heaven. And so that, <laughs> I'm good to go now, so we finna try it, all right? Here's the group exercise. So, from that aisle right here to this side of the room, slice a piece of aisle to this side of the room, right? When I count down, three, two, one, I want you guys to clap in fours like this. One, two, three, four. One, two, not yet, not, not yet, no, 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 not yet. <laughs> I'm still going to heaven, so, all right. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. That's y'all job. Y'all in the middle right here, at the same time, same countdown. When I, when I, don't do it yet. <laughs> when I count down from three to one, I want you guys to clap in twos. One, two, one, two. One, two, one, two. Slice a piece of owl over there, and y'all over here, right? 
Same countdown. This could really go bad if y'all don't listen. <laughs> Same countdown. I want you guys to just do this. One. That's it. Now I'm about to count it. Everybody do their job at the same time. All right? Please listen to the instructions. Because <laughs> this, this is being recorded. So, all right. <laughs> all right. Three, two, one. Go. All right. Stop, 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 stop. What, what, what? Yeah, y'all actually listen. It was cool. Uh, what, did that, what did that sound like? Heaven on earth. Heaven on earth? That's, okay. What did that sound like? What did that sound like to you, Jacob? Chaos. A little bit. Now we're going to do another exercise, but we're going to do it all together. Same countdown. We all got the same job here. When I count down, we're going to all clap one time and hold it. Not that light, but you know what I'm saying. All right. Three, two, one. Ooh. <laughs> I was playing. That, that worked that way more. I thought. Okay. See, what Paul <laughs> is looking to hear of, that's what Paul is looking to hear of from the Philippians. Believing, moving, and acting is what? Mm. Man, I didn't even have to say that. That was cool. When we move as one, it's simple, clear, and concise. I'm reminded of this saying that I heard. It said that a war is when thousands of men and women go off to fight for the agenda of a few. Paul is calling the Philippians to behave, live, and act in a way that's worthy of the gospel to serve the agenda of one. And that's God, our heavenly father. Verse 28. Paul is telling them to not allow themselves to be intimidated because that can lead you to give up on your struggle, your mission. And a lot of times that's what the enemy uses to throw you off the path that he has for you, intimidation, to make you feel fearful, like as if standing up for Christ means that you'll be out here just like with no hope. See, this verse serves to state that the conflict the Philippians are experiencing should be understood as a reminder that they are but a part of a greater conflict between God and the prince of darkness. And if God be for you, who can be against you? See, it's a fixed fight, but it's a fight nonetheless. Then immediately after that, Paul follows up that up, ending verse 28 with, and that by God. Here he doesn't seem to only be talking about salvation, but he is more so speaking to the entire process of thought, conflict, destruction, perseverance, and salvation. So we can sum verse, up, verse 28 up as this. 
The true grounds for the Philippians' encouragement was the fact that nothing in their experience took place outside God's superintendence. So we was working on the left side of the plane, right? Not y'all, but the plane, right? That's tenacity. So now we're working with verse 29 and 30. That would be the suffering wing. Paul is making a clear point in verse 29. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. How has it been granted to me to suffer? How is that some type of gift? How is that some type of privilege? Can you pass on that? Is there a way to be a Christian and sidestep that? Can you call in sick (laughs) on suffering? Can you do that? No, you can't. In essence, Paul is saying to believe in Christ and to suffer for his sake is a package deal. They go hand in hand. There is no one without the other. This is a gift from God and honor granted. Now, I am a U.S. Navy veteran. And, oh, for sure. Yeah. Martha's son just joined the Navy, too. He, he going, too. He about to go, too. So, um, I hear a lot of times when people talk about service um, and serving in the military, they say, man, I, I wouldn't want to be a pawn in someone else's agenda. And I wouldn't be, you know, these different things. And... To a certain degree, I understand that, that, that point of view. But I tell you what, man, a lot of people that serve in the military, they're not thinking at all about somebody sitting in some really nice blue suit that all the presidents wear <laughs> at an Oval Office or whatever it is, right? We're not thinking about that. That's not why we serve. We're not even thinking about us. I know that's not why I was serving. I go so my mom don't have to go. I went so my dad didn't have to go. So my two brothers don't have to go. So I don't have to go. So my sister doesn't have to go. That's why I go. So how is it not honorable to serve when it's not about you? I think that's one of the most honorable things you could do. See, as a veteran, I always saw it as I'm standing in the gap. I'd rather do things or do something or endure something or suffer something so other people wouldn't have to. That's the honor. That's why when I see a 65-year-old veteran or an 80-year-old veteran, there's an understanding. Because you put yourself to the side for a whole lot of people. People you may not even get to meet. Verse 30, Paul is reminding us of the fact that what befalls our Lord and Savior, that same thing comes our way. And in that, it is to be seen as a blessing. Be not fooled. Persecution will come. If you're proclaiming Christ, there is going to be some type of persecution. Students, whether it's at school, grown-ups, whether it's at work, 
family members thinking you weird now because you love Jesus. I got a lot of them calling me weird now because I love Jesus. I'm not invited to a lot of things because of my faith. But oh well. I'd rather suffer. I'd rather die behind my faith than belittle Jesus just to fit in to be safe. To me, that's foolishness. You cannot be in love with the uniform and not be okay with the job description. It's a part of the cost that has been and is currently being lived out through Paul. See, we love Paul so much, but man, the guy was really living out what he was talking about. It's one thing to read it. See, that's a gift in suffering. We get to partake in what we claim to believe. These words in the Bible, it becomes like a 3D pop-up book, at least to me, when I find myself in these situations. That's the blessing. We get to be a part of what we believe. That's the gift. Paul is essentially telling them this. The disciple is no greater than his master. Paul is, like in Corinthians, urging the church to imitate Christ, imitate him as he imitates Christ. So we ask the question once again, how could Paul be so joyful in jail? At first glance, it seems counterintuitive for Paul to be able to find joy in his suffering. But ultimately, when we look at it, could it be that suffering is not the joy after all, but the courage that is found out as the joy in Paul's life? Understanding that it must be the Lord that's giving him the strength to continue to move forward in the midst of his storm. All the while urging the Philippian people to do the same. As I close, I have gone through a great deal of suffering um, in my own life. Even today, right now. Um, there's sickness in my family. Uh, I'm in a new place, new side of the country I've never been in before. And it looks a lot different than it was on TV. <laughs> right? A lot of hills and stuff. Well, mountains hit, whatever. Right? Um, but I tell you what, back on that unity thing that Paul was speaking about before, you know what I love about God is that even in the suffering and feeling alone and just feeling like a little country bunking out here, right? God has allowed me the opportunity to see the unity I have in this church. You know how many people text me this morning? You got him, Tiger. You good. You can do it. You know how many people text me that? A lot of people. And you know what that did for me in my suffering? It helped me to see that it's okay to be courageous. There's purpose in your suffering, but know that you're not doing it alone. A lot of times when life gets hard, it gets tough, we feel as though don't nobody understand. It's just me. Don't nobody know what I'm going through. Ain't nobody else been in my shoes. But God has a way in the midst of our suffering to let us see and let us know that 
you're not alone. There is unity. I intend for unity. I want you guys to move as one and bear each other's burdens. But we have to look at our circumstances with a renewed mind. And how good and pleasant might it be to be granted godly access to courage by walking through the gate of godly suffering together as one. Yeah, I remember that one clap we did, that thing, that. So consider today this an invitation of courage to joy. That level of joy will be surprising if you trust God. So be brave today, be courageous today, and remember that we're supposed to do that together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of suffering. We thank you, Father God, for who you are, your perfect plan being performed in each and every one of our lives, and even in the tough times, God, you're faithful. And we thank you for delivering us from each and every challenge that we face and help us to understand and recognize that we need to do this together because that's how you've designed it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for uh, being with us today. At the pre-service prayer, I told Troy, hey, you should tell us your most embarrassing moment. I was joking, but apparently he took, <laughs> he took me seriously. So, uh, man, you, yeah, you went for it. Um, Hey, just uh, some reminders before we have the benediction uh, of of things you're invited to. Uh, We'd love to connect with you. Uh, We're so grateful that you come and join with us in worship. And we just love to connect with you beyond that. So just a few reminders. Uh, Out on the patio, there's something called uh, a deacon connection. So everyone who's not already in a life group, we assign a deacon as being a point of contact to love you, care for you, and help you connect the church. So whether you know it or not, you have one, and we'd love to have you meet them face-to-face. And so uh, they're just out there ready, and there's tables with their names, and you can go and ask and say, who's my deacon? I'd love to, to, to just place a face with a name. So that's out there for you. Uh, any of you that are new uh, right here, uh, I'm going to give you a tour. I'd love to meet you, and we got a little progressive lunch and tour. It takes about an hour, and I'll show you around the place, feed you some food, introduce you to some friends of mine that lead ministries in the church, and we just have a good time together. I'd love, love to know you, give you a good welcome to the, to the church. There's also that pop-up pizza party. Uh, we talked about our passion for the, the people in our city, particularly the children, uh, to know that there's a God that loves them, that, a, God, a God that cares for them, uh, a Savior that died for them. Most of them don't know that, and we want them to. So there's a, just this pop-up fun pizza party uh, up there in the, just go upstairs to the, youth, to the children's center and eat some pizza and just hear about the fun, creative ways uh, that we're mobilizing teams of people at these camps this summer. We'd love to have you uh, go to that. So those are just invitations uh, for you. Troy, would you give us the, the benediction? Oh, also, uh, sorry, prayer. Uh, we'll pray for you about anything right over here with Dave. Father God, may you keep each and every one of us on today. May you help us to walk in unity, to be courageous, and help us to see the gift of suffering for what it is, a blessing and an invitation to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.